Rick, 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 this is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. It is a football Friday because, man, oh, man, is there a ton of great college football coming up tomorrow. The NFL, we had one yesterday. Andy Hall is here to help us out with some fantasy football. We'll get to that. Also, before we get out of here for Cubs baseball, the last home series of the year for the Chicago Cubs at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field, the worst retirement gift ever, and it came from the Oakland A's. I don't know if you saw this. It's going to make you laugh. We got to get to it. But Andy Hall joining us, our fantasy insider online at fantasynation.com. Fantasynation.com. <laughs> I was like, I've got lots of social yeah, media no. channels. I've got a <laughs> website on Laser. I'm everywhere, dude. You can find him on Laser 103.3 this afternoon as well. But let's get to some fantasy football. We had one last night. We'll talk about the quarterback of the winning team here in just a minute. But I think the overwhelming theme is, does anybody have a healthy running back left? There have been so many running back injuries. Big names, of course, like Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, but then other guys that you were like, okay, here's a handcuff for a rookie, like an Evan Hall, who people were kind of investing in. Are there any running backs left? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some high-profile names, obviously, who are now injured. Uh, Saquon Barkley among them, Nick Chubb, you already mentioned. And then there's guys that are underperforming for where they were drafted, guys like Najee Harris in Pittsburgh. So there's that angle as well. But there's plenty of guys who have stepped up, Guys that some believed in early on, others that were picked up off the waiver wire and are performing really well through two weeks of the regular season. How slow does Najee Harris look? Oh, he's bad. <laughs> How much longer can they keep Jalen Warren in at, at worst, a 60-40 split? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I said preseason when I was watching um, Rashad Penny run for the Eagles, I said it looks like he's got concrete in his shoes, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing something very similar from Najee Harris. For one, he's just not seeing the holes; uh, they're there. And then he's also just—he uh, looks slow. You're yeah, right about that, he really does. And, and they got a—they improved their offensive line because it was so bad last year. Uh, but we'll get to some replacements. Obviously, you know, I—I I didn't have the stones to start Kyron Williams against San Francisco last week. Lost to Andy in fantasy. Would have blown you out of the water, but the Puka show came and crushed my dreams. But when it comes to Kyron Williams, now that Cam Akers is, has been dealt off to Minnesota, from what you've seen, is he a guy that can be an RB2, a guy you can start every week? I think he's a, I think he's a starter almost every week now. I think if you had any doubts going into that San Francisco game, they were laid to rest. He's played in 126 snaps, 72 routes run. That's both of those stats most in the NFL I was gonna right. going to say now. that has to lead running backs. Yeah, I mean he's he's leading all running backs in routes run at about 73%, 95% of snaps uh, he's on the field post Cam Akers and there's really no plan behind him. What do they have? They picked up a, a rookie, I think. Uh, is Darnell Henderson still there? Is no, there a, he's I not. Daryl Henderson. Darryl, no. Darnell, Daryl Henderson, my bad. My other brother Daryl. <laughs> Uh, devastating injury to Nick Chubb. Yeah. I watched it once, and I don't need to see it ever again. Jerome Ford got the, the the lion's share of the carries after, and Kareem Hunt has signed this year. Yep. Who do you trust more long-term, Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt? So we know there's going to be a shared backfield. Mm -hmm. I think Jerome Ford has shown enough to 
be given the keys to be the primary back. I don't think either of them are going to be, think, be anything better than a flex for most of the rest of this okay. season. I think that bringing in Kareem Hunt was smart. It appears now that that was more of a money issue than anything else. Of course. He knows Kevin Stefanski's offense very well. Kevin knows him very well. There's a comfort level there that he might not necessarily have with Jerome Ford, but I will say Ford showed really well mm -hmm. in limited opportunity thus far. That said, when you bring a Kareem Hunt in off the streets, nobody else signed the guy. And again, I don't know if that's money or if that's talent, but um, Ford's the guy, but mm -hmm. Hunt is certainly going to have a role in that backfield. I think I saw uh, Kareem Hunt can hit a $4 million for this year with all the incentives. So there, there's reason for him to get out there, perform, and play well. And I, I remember the reaction when he was brought when he was brought in this week. It was like, oh, well, don't pick up Kareem Hunt. They, they didn't sign him for a reason. No, it was like the sum of the parts and the finances. Like, that always factors in. Now the best option is to have Ford and Hunt be in your backfield. Yep, and I think there were times, obviously, last season, granted Ford is no Chubb, but when Chubb and Hunt were both in the lineup, mm -hmm. uh, they were both fantasy viable on a week-to-week -week basis. You could literally start them both. Maybe Chubb as a running back and then Hunt as a flex, mm -hmm. and you could still get pretty good production out of both of them. When do you expect Kareem Hunt to be up to speed? I think it won't take much time at all. Okay, you think it depends. You, can I start him this week? I don't think I would start him right away. No, I think he's got to get up to game speed here, okay. and it depends. We'll have to take a close look at how many snaps he takes this coming week, and um, depending on what we see here early on, we'll have a pretty good gauge as to what his role is going to be for the rest of this season. Andy Hall in studio, FantasyNation.com. I'm Mike Wickett here on ESPN Des Moines. Um, we'll talk. What about another guy that you got to wait and see, or do you throw him right in there? And that's Cam Akers. He goes from the Rams to the Vikings. Obviously, things did not work out with Cam Akers in LA. How quickly should people throw Cam Akers into their starting lineup? How worried are you if you're an Alex Madison owner? Yeah, I'm going to proceed with caution on both of these. Mm -hmm. I think Akers is the guy that the Vikings obviously want to step up where Madison hasn't. There's a relationship there pre-existing between Kevin O'Connell, the head coach yep. of the Minnesota Vikings, who, of course, came from the Rams. And uh, Alexander Madison just ain't it, man. He's slow. He's just a plotter. He's a good fill. Like, he, was a, he was the best handcuffed back the last three years behind I, uh, Alvin. I used the term game manager when I uh, described Madison a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. on your show, and I think that's actually a pretty accurate, come to think of it, even though that was a little bit off the top of my head. But another thing I'll mention about Minnesota is that we all know what they're trying to do with the passing game there and all the weapons they've got. Force it to J.J., well, for sure. But you've got TJ Hawkinson. You've got this exciting rookie in Jordan Addison yep. who's looked pretty good through He's two weeks. Great. The problem with the Minnesota Vikings run game is the offensive line. They've already had some injuries on that offensive front. They're bringing in some backups, which haven't looked very good thus mm -hmm. far. And this is just not a team that you can rely on in terms of the run game. You and I were talking about this. Cam Akers going from Sean McVay's system. And there was obviously something wrong between Akers and McVay's system to go to Kevin O'Connell, who runs Sean McVay's system. Like, how do you think this is going to work? The good news for Akers is that there's probably not a huge learning curve aside right. from maybe a few, you know, uh, terminology things. But, he, you know, he's in shape. We know that. We've seen him run. He can run. He hasn't looked great through the first couple of weeks with, with L.A., uh, and through the preseason, certainly as well. But I think, you know, there's the learning curve is pretty short there, which is good. Andy Hall in studio, fantasynation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Andy Hall Radio. I'm Mike Wickett here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Do you trust any Colt 
for the rest of the year, and that includes Jonathan Taylor. Well, I'm going to start with Anthony Richardson, who I absolutely trust, and I want him in your lineup when he's healthy. And that's a question mark this week, obviously. Two games, two injuries. In the in the concussion protocol, mm-hmm. which is I think more of more considerable than the first week's injury, which seemed to be kind of just he, the guy got nicked up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, but if he if he's on the field, he's a guy that I think you should be considering pretty strongly in your lineup, regardless of whether or not he's getting it done in the passing game. It's clear that because of their running back situation, that he's going to be running the ball. And he, you know, we see this with these young quarterbacks quite a bit. These mobile quarterbacks early on in their career, they're running a lot more and throwing caution to the wind. We're hoping, of course, that this concussion thing is a one-off. Yeah, I, he's going to have to develop the ability to throw because we've seen what that did to Lamar. We see what the, that did to Cam Newton, who was great, and until he was just broken almost. Uh, uh, what about the running backs? Yeah, was, actual because I think Gardner Minshew is starting this week. Yeah, I so believe I, so. I, I just say keep an eye on Richardson yeah. for when he is back in the lineup. Minshew's fine, and and the good news with Minshew there's is your that game manager he's, right there. Yeah, <laughs> he's already looking at Michael Pittman quite a bit, and I will say that Pittman right now is fifth in the league in a, or at the wide receiver position and opportunities per snap. His target share is just fine in that indie offense, so I'm not too concerned about him. He'll get his. And then Zach Moss is the guy in the backfield right now, mm-hmm. at least till we figure out what the situation's going to be long-term with Jonathan Taylor. You can plug Zach Moss in. I mean, this is They're a guy They're playing that, Baltimore this weekend you, in the rain. It's supposed to rain on Sunday. 22 touches for Zach Moss mm-hmm. in his first start. 98% of the snaps, and that's coming off an injury. So that tells me there's not a whole lot else there. And, uh, boy, for how, like, mediocre he looked, you know, during his short time in Buffalo. Yeah. He was there for a hot cup of coffee. He was just a guy. Yeah. But just a now, guy. That's all he was. Give him the opportunity. And, granted, that's a, not an easy matchup against Baltimore this week. But if you need a guy who's got volume, and volume is the play sometimes in fantasy football, Zach Moss is a good option. All right. Let's talk about Joe Burrow. Kira, our producer, pay attention, okay, because I know you're trying to sell broken goods right now. But Joe Burrow, the calf, it flared up. There's a conversation about holding him out for a month. Can you wait till Monday to make this decision? Because Stafford has probably gone in somebody's lineup, and whoever, I don't even know who Burrow's backup is. Like, what do you do if you're sitting with Joe Burrow right now? You should have already made a move at this point is the answer to that. Uh, Find another option (laughs) right now if Stafford is unavailable on your waiver, and that's the only guy that can Mm -hmm. save you if you wait till Monday Stafford's unavailable, Kira. He's on my team. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not messing around with this situation. We know it was uh, pretty significant, and I don't know if everybody in the fantasy community certainly took it as seriously at the time as they probably should have, but now it's going to affect everybody, well, including that wide receiver core. That's the next question. All right, let's say you're, you have Jamar Chase or you have T. Higgins on your roster right now. Can you afford to wait? Let's say Burrow's out five weeks. Let's say they decide to hold him out till the bye week, whenever that is. I think it's in week seven. Can you keep Chase? Can you afford to keep Chase or T. Higgins on your bench wasting a roster spot? Or would you try to move them right now before we finally get word about Burrow? I'm not selling them right now because you're selling them low. Mm-hmm. The person you're selling them to is going to fleece you, basically, in that trade. So you're forced to sort of hold on these guys, in my opinion. Uh, granted, their ceilings are very limited without Burrow back there. We don't even know. We were just joking before we hit the air. Nobody even knew. I had to go look it up. Who's the Bengals' backup quarterback? Not Boomer Esiason. No. It's not uh, Dave Klingler. He might consider it. I like that commercial with uh, Jerry Rice <laughs> yeah, and uh, whoever else coming back out of retirement. Spots. Yeah, so, I mean, if Boomer was thinking about it, now's as good a time as any, or Carson Palmer or whoever wants to do it. You but can't even use Andy Dalton because he's going to start for Carolina this week. The ceilings are extremely limited uh, over the course of this injury for both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And so if both of those guys, and for most people, they were top 15 people, top 15 wide receivers, 
going into the season, um, they're not anymore. If you spent a draft pick on a uh, on, on a guy like Amari Cooper, how bad do you feel right now? Because Deshaun Watson, I think I saw he's the 30th ranked quarterback in QBR right now. Thir- that guy's got $200 million more still coming his way, guaranteed, Andy. So here's my take on the Cleveland Browns situation in general. I hope you team. have the defense in that. <laughs> I think because they've built a team that is championship worthy on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. The truth of the matter about today's NFL is you need a quarterback to get you there. The defense can open the door. The quarterback can actually walk you through it and get you to the promised land. The trouble is, is that Deshaun Watson just ain't that guy. No. So what I'm thinking is, is the Browns, if they're smart, are going to employ what the 49ers largely have been able to do with Brock Purdy, which is lean on the run, get a guy who's not going to make too many mistakes, and lean on that defense to get you as far as you can go. I just don't know what you can do with Watson because of that salary. You, I, I just, I mean, unless they're going to, trick Watson's brain into thinking he can be a West Coast quarterback and just dump, dump, dump like Brock Purdy does. Because Purdy doesn't have to do anything. Just get out of the way. Throw it to Debo. Throw it to, uh, you know, George Kittle. Throw it to the... Watson's trying to make all these plays. He's trying to do too much, and it was obvious in that Monday night game. Yeah, I think they just need to simplify things, right? And I think that's what the Niners have done for Brock Purdy to his success. And I think if we're going to talk about Brock Purdy at all, I think largely the biggest reason why he's been such a a success, aside from the supporting cast around him, because that's the most important thing, is they've just kept it simple. Yeah. And that's that's what you have to do. Where do you slot Purdy when you do rankings? Like, we have Mahomes at the top. You know, Jalen Hurts is there. Fantasy or non-fantasy, are we talking? Can we put Purdy in the conversation of top 15, top 12? Yeah, so I literally had him as a top 15 option this week, and we saw Mm -hmm. what he was able to get done last night against the New York Giants, which are not a great defense. So we're looking at teams where there's positive matchups. Um, Even with Brandon Ayuk out of the lineup last night, I felt there was enough there for certainly Debo Samuel. We saw that. George Kittle, who Mm -hmm. wasn't really all that involved, but McCaffrey had a nice game, as we always expect, no matter the matchup. So. That's a case where it's like, yes, Brock Purdy is definitely a top 50% quarterback in fantasy. Feel good about putting that guy in my lineup every single week. Uh, Staying in that same division, can the Puka and Tutu Atwell train keep rolling the way that it is for the Rams? I mean, you've got Puka. You crushed me with Puka last week. Can can these two guys keep doing this? Yes. Um, I, well, the Even short, when Cooper Cup comes back? I think Puka Nakua is there to stay. And I think even though the two of them, between him and Cooper Cup, run similar route trees, if you look at their skill sets, I think they're pretty similar. Tutu Atwell might be the outs on that. He might be the guy who takes a step back. But Puka Nakua, I mean, real deal, man. 34 targets through two games. That's, That's insane. It is. That's no, insane By usage. the way, here's insanity. 34 targets. Zero touchdowns through the first two weeks of the season. Right? That will They keep change. going to Kyron Williams. That's why. <laughs> That's true. 147 <laughs> receiving yards versus the Niners in week two, in case you had any doubts whatsoever. Daniel Jones, just uh, as a comparison, threw for 137 yards He's in total last night on Thursday Night Football. I traded Justin Fields for Daniel Jones last week, and neither of us won that trade. Not, <laughs> I think it's a terrible, terrible trade. Uh, real quick, Matt Stafford. Can you trust Stafford as your quarterback this year? Because with Puka, with Tutu, getting Cooper Cup back, with Kyron Williams, I know the O-line's not great, but do we get the old Stafford back? Yeah, it wasn't a long. It wasn't that long ago that Stafford was taking them to a Lombardi Trophy, mm-hmm. and you know one of the top quarterbacks in the league with one of the top wide receivers. Well, actually, tandems between yeah. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup just a few short years ago, and that was a very potent offense. He hasn't lost a whole lot. He's got a little bit of an injury risk there that we've known about for mm-hmm. a while. 
So there's always the chance that that might happen, but this is pro football. It could happen any day to anybody. I just streamed him. That's a good streaming quarterback right there. Andy Hall Radio on Twitter or X. You can follow him online, fantasynation.com, and hear him starting in an hour and a half over on Laser 103.3. Thanks, man. You got it. Adios. Andy Hall coming up. The worst retirement gift ever, and we'll look at 2-0 and 0-2 in the NFL. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday! My name is Mike Wicket here on Wicket's World. Coming up, I'm going to get to literally the worst retirement gift maybe in the history of Major League Baseball for a Hall of Famer who is doing the goodbye tour. But I do want to get to the National Football League. We were talking about Brock Purdy uh, with Andy Hall from FantasyNation.com. Some fantasy football talk. Did you see that Brock Purdy? Oh, Mr. Irrelevant, right? The record-setting quarterback at Iowa State is now a Hall of Famer. He is in the Hall of Fame. Mr. Irrelevant in the 2022 draft uh, is the first player ever in NFL history to win his first six regular season games while throwing for at least two touchdowns in each game. No one's ever done that. Not Tom Brady, not Peyton Manning, not Aaron Rodgers. Not Bart Starr. None of the greats of all time have ever done that. The streak dates back to last season. He became the starter week 14 against Tampa Bay during a six-game span. 1,300 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, three more on the ground. And so there are going to be some artifacts. They're going to be put into the Hall of Fame. Shoes from the uh, shoes from the Niners quarterback, Brock Purdy, will be on display in the Pro Football Today gallery. From Ames... To the the Niners, the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant to the Hall of Fame. Not bad. Not bad at all. And maybe he is the quarterback of the best team of the National Football League as they handled New York yesterday. Not a blowout, but a game that was never really in doubt. And Brock Purdy has just been fantastic. So good for Brock Purdy. I know people around here are pretty excited for that. And uh, yeah, I saw he was going to the Hall of Fame. I'm like, Brock Purdy, Hall of Famer. Uh, all right, so I want to play a little bit of 2-0 and and 0-2, and, and who do you believe is the true, what do you uh, believe to be more true, a 2-0 and team or an 0-2 team? Let's look at the Miami Dolphins. Are they 2-0? and Are they, they're an elite team. Like, to be 2-0 and right now is pretty good. There are 1-2, let's see, 3-4-5-6-7-8 and 2-0 teams. And who do I believe that, that is 2-0? and Can get to, let's say, a conference championship game. Well, let's run down these, all right? The Miami Dolphins. I believe that team who has their home opener this weekend, I believe that the Miami Dolphins are capable of getting to a conference championship. You've got to, uh, as long as the guys, the speedsters stay healthy, as long as Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill stay healthy, and Tua, of course, and we know about his injury history from last year uh, with the concussions, as long as those three are healthy, that team is very, very... I would say unstoppable, unstoppable because Tua didn't exactly have a great game a couple of days ago against the uh, New England Patriots. Of course, Bill Belichick did what he always does against Tua, and that is slow him down. But still, with those guys, they're getting a really good start to the year out of Raheem Mostert. I know a lot of people are waiting for Raheem Mostert to slow down, get nicked up like he normally does. I think he's 30. I think Raheem Mostert is 30 or 31. 
which is incredible for a running back to still have his speed. Uh, but I definitely think Miami is truly a contender at 2-0. Baltimore, got to wait and see. I have more doubt about Lamar staying healthy than I do about Tua staying healthy based on the fact that I know Tua, for the most part, is staying in that pocket. Whether that's good or bad, in your opinion, in mine, staying in that pocket, getting rid of the ball, Mike McDaniel's going to scheme up a bunch of stuff for him to get rid of that football. I haven't watched a ton of Ravens ball this year. They have the new offensive coordinator. Lamar's going to throw more and run less. But it, when, it, when it comes down to it and the pocket breaks down and there's a crunch time play to be made, do I trust Lamar Jackson's arm to find an open wide receiver? And OBJ is already hurt. Do I find or do I trust Lamar Jackson to make that throw? Not yet. Not yet. As of right now, I don't think Baltimore is a team that can get to the conference championship. The next 2-0 and team, those are, by the way, the only 2-0 and teams in the AFC. Those are the last two undefeated AFC teams. It's Miami and it's Baltimore. And everybody else is either 1-1 and or 0-2. And, and we'll get to the 0-2 teams here in a second. 2-0, and who can get to a conference championship out of the NFC? By the way, remember what everybody was telling you? The AFC was loaded, and the AFC is great, and the AFC is where all the talent is, and the NFC is the conference where it's like, eh, that's the JV conference. I got two teams in the AFC that are 2-0. and And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the NFC that are 2-0 and or better. And that or better is the Niners. The Niners, I think, right now on paper, are the best team in the National Football League. They have all the weapons. Even though Ayuk missed yesterday, they have all the weapons. And with Brock Purdy back there, just get the ball to Debo. Get the ball to Kittle. Hand the ball off to McCaffrey. McCaffrey needs a blow. Hand the ball off to Eli Mitchell. Doesn't matter. That defense beat the snot out of Daniel Jones yesterday. Uh, they, they played well against L.A. and the surprisingly potent Rams offense the week before. Absolutely do I think the Niners are not only a conference championship caliber squad, but that's a Super Bowl team right there. And their rookie kicker, their rookie freaking kicker hasn't missed yet in Jake Moody, Money Moody out of Michigan, to the NFC South. There are three teams in the NFC South. The division that we thought, remember last year when the AFC West was this division that was like, man, you got the Chiefs, you got Herbert and the Chargers. Here comes Russ with Nathaniel Hackett. We didn't know how terrible Nathaniel Hackett was going to be, but here comes Russ and Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. And then you got the you got the Raiders. They added Devontae Adams. Who knows where they're going to be? Like, everybody thought the AFC West was going to be this ridiculously good division. And outside of Kansas City, it mostly sucked. Everybody thought the AFC West was going to be just this unbeatable division. Well, this year, the NFC South was predicted to be the opposite of that, where you had the Falcons with Desmond Ritter. What do you, you can't... You can't have a running offense and succeed in the National Football League. New Orleans, you added Derek Carr. Really? Really? Tampa, Tom's gone. Their answer was Baker Mayfield. All three of these teams are 2-0. All three of them. Carolina's 0-2. You expected that. We'll get to them in a minute. Which of those 2-0 teams do you actually think can get to a conference championship? I would say none. But, but. I'd give the Saints the best chance. They have the best defense. They have Alvin Kamara coming back. I hope they lose in two days to my Packers up at Lambeau Field. Badly, all right? I've been talking a lot of junk to a Saints fan. 
I don't want that to go awry. <laughs> we shall find out. Uh, they just lost Jamal Williams to an injury. We don't know the extent of that, but I think that there are, I think at least three running backs that are waiting to, to burst out there, including Kamara when he comes back after uh, one more game off. As for the Falcons, I watched them come back after being down 12 to my Green Bay Packers. They ground and pound you to death. It's like a 12-round fight. You might get them in the beginning, but they're just going to keep hitting you in the ribs. And when you get to the 10th round, the 11th round, and your gloves drop, that's when they come over the top. That's when they knock you out. That's what they did to Green Bay. But they just kept running. And I will say this about the Atlanta Falcons and their first-round draft pick, B. John Robinson. Man, I didn't think he was going to be that good. I'm not going to lie. I did not think B. John Robinson was going to live up to the hype. And I know it's been two games, and I watch him against Green Bay, whose defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, plays some of the most soft-ass defense you've ever seen in your life, all right? I don't know why you're playing with everybody sitting back against that offensive line when they're running 13 personnel, just Bijan and three tight ends. And what does Green Bay do? They just let the linemen push. There's nobody even attacking. I think that style of offense can only get you so far. You need a quarterback who's dynamic. You need a quarterback who can make plays with his arm and his legs. I know Ritter can make arms or can make plays with his arm. I don't know if Desmond Ritter, in a crunch moment, in week 17 or in wild card weekend, can make a play with his arm in the fourth quarter. So I don't think they're a. I think it's a, a playoff caliber team because of the the, uh, the running attack. But I don't think it's a conference championship caliber team. And, and Tampa Bay, I know Baker is currently, and don't adjust your radio when I say this, Baker Mayfield is the sixth highest rated passer in the National Football League. It's been two games. They played against the horrendous Vikings and the horrendous Bears. I understand that. But Baker Mayfield is having a nice little resurgence down there in Tampa Bay. But because it's Baker, I don't think it's a conference championship caliber squad. I think the Niners are in the NFC. There's no 2-0 team in the NFC North. Right now, if the playoffs started, Lambeau Field would host a playoff game, which is strange. But over in the NFC East, you have three teams at 2-0. I'll go from the bottom up, because I don't think anybody believes Sam Howell, despite the effort he put on and the show he put on against Denver last week. I don't think anybody's putting the commanders in the NFC Championship game. But those other two teams in the NFC East... Philly and Dallas. And I know Trayvon Diggs just went down with an ACL, and that sucks if you're a Dallas fan. that That's your best cover corner that you just lost for the year. Dude led the league in picks two years ago. Uh, that is a huge blow to that already stellar defense. But you still have to look at Micah Parsons and the rest of that defense. The On the offense, you still have Dak. You still have CeeDee Lamb. You still have Tony Pollard. You still have all the weapons that are in and out of the lineup, unfortunately. I don't even know if Brandon Cooks is still playing. Nobody has any clue. But I believe overall talent-wise, Dallas is a conference championship contending team. That is a team that can get. Do I think they will? No. But I think they can get to the NFC championship. And, of course, Philadelphia. Despite the fact that you can throw the ball all over on Philly right now. If you can block up front, They lost so much with C.J. Gardner-Johnson going to the Lions. They lost a lot on that team. They lost one of their defensive linemen to the Bears. Uh, Philadelphia is a team that maybe takes a step back last year, which all Super Bowl champions generally do, especially when you give that big payday to your quarterback. 
I think Philadelphia took a step back. But I do believe that Philly and Dallas are going to be the two at the end of the day that are battling for that NFC East crown. So if I had to pick my conference championship game right now, of the 2-0 teams, because I still think over in the AFC, you got to put the Chiefs in the conference championship. Chiefs-Dolphins wouldn't surprise me. I can see Chiefs-Dolphins. I don't know if there's another team out there I can see taking on Kansas City in the AFC championship game. So right now, two weeks in, I'll go Chiefs and Dolphins. That's my AFC championship team. And then in the NFC, Niners-Eagles. Niners-Eagles. I can make that makes a lot of sense, which is exactly what we got in last year's conference championship game. As for the 0-2 teams, who do I think can actually turn it around? We'll get to that coming up next here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Uh, we got Cubs baseball coming your way in less than fifteen minutes. Cubs and Rockies final home series uh, at the uh, friendly confines of Wrigley Field coming your way. Zach Zaidman has the pregame, and then Pat and Ron will have the first pitch that is coming up a little bit. We'll have uh, Cubs all weekend, of course. Tomorrow night, by the way, we have LSU and Arkansas from ESPN Radio, SEC battle. God, there's a lot of good football this weekend. Have you seen how many conference games, how many top 25 games? Early on, Florida State and Clemson, the networks chose to go elsewhere from Florida State and Clemson, which is incredible. You got Coach Prime at 2.30 taking on Oregon. That's going to be a very heavily watched game. Ole Miss and Bama, two top 25 teams. UCLA and Utah, two top top 25 teams. Oregon State and Washington State. That's the turn out the lights bowl. Neither team's going to be in a conference coming up next year. Good luck with that. And then we got Iowa and the whiteout at Penn State tomorrow night. And Ohio State and Notre Dame, six versus nine. Man, to hire a sitter so I can watch all these games tomorrow or convince my kids to start liking football. Um, Coming up, the very worst possible retirement gift you can give to a Major League Baseball player who's on his way to the Hall of Fame. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Wrapping up the 0-2 and 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 2-0 conversation, which of the 0-2 teams in the National Football League can jump back into the playoff race, regardless of what happens this weekend. Uh, 0-2 New England, no, don't see it. Not in that division. I think the Bills and the Dolphins are too good. I think the conference is too loaded. I never want to count out Bill Belichick. The defense is phenomenal, but Mac Jones, I don't know if he's the guy yet. I just don't know. Cincinnati, 0-2. Man, I don't know how many games are you going to win without Joe Burrow if they decide to sit Burrow. Because that calf injury can flare up. I remember covering the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers hurt his calf like six weeks to go in the season. And we did a bit every day called Calf Watch. And we had cow sound effects. And it was we were, and he almost beat Seattle in that conference championship game on one leg. But calf injuries can take forever to heal. And he can't if he can't plant off his back right foot, which is where the injury is, he can't throw. He can't drive. He can't get the ball down the field 
to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. So does he sit for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? I know Chris Canty on our morning show suggested seven weeks. But he wait till after the bye week. I feel like Cincinnati has the talent to do it, but not without Joe Burrow. So I'm going to say no. Houston, no. Their pass defense is surprisingly good. I think Derek Stingley just got busted or just hurt himself and is out for a potentially long amount of time. I'm not sure if it's the entire year or not. Their second-year corner, that sucks for him. Uh, the one team I do think that can turn their 0-2 around in the AFC is the Chargers. I mean, I think we all know the talent the Chargers have with Herbert and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I don't know if Denver can get from 0-2 to, say, 9-8. and I mean, you're already starting to see Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are not getting along, but I think it's the Chargers that can be a team that can go from 0-2 to, say, 3-3, and 4-2, and maybe maybe 4-3, and better than anybody else. In the NFC, well, it's not going to be the Chicago Bears because their quarterback is terrible, all right? Their offense is terrible. Their defense is terrible. Their defensive coordinator resigned, and there's rumors of an FBI raid at his house, all right? And I don't want to get into that because I only have nine minutes left in the show. But here's Justin Fields talking about not playing like himself. I felt like, you know, I wasn't necessarily playing my game. I felt like I was kind of robotic and not playing like myself. So um, um, my goal this week is just to say effort and just go out there and play football how I know how to play football. That includes uh, thinking less and just going out there and playing off of instincts rather than just, you know, so much, so to say, info in my head, data in my head, and literally just going out there playing football. He said thinking too much. And thank goodness somebody in the Chicago sports media followed up with that question. When you say thinking less... What do you think was causing you to think so much, maybe think too much? Could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching. What? But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it, you know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Think less, play more, and he's blaming the coaches for the fact that he sucks that the offense sucks, that he's not a good passer. Whoever could have thought that a one-read, inaccurate, poor fundamentals quarterback out of Ryan Day's system would suck in the National Football League? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to raise my hand. My hand is up. Justin Fields throwing his... Now, someone's going to be like, hey, Wicket, you know, he, he took all the blame later in the day. Yeah, he went to practice, came back, and met with the media because everybody meets with the media twice. And he took the blame. He said, it's not on the coaches. That's the best coaching job that Chicago has done with Justin Fields all day. For him to actually go out and try to bring the blame back on him. Should have said it the first time, Justin. Should have said it the first time. Bears not going to recover from this. They may not win a game this year. Uh, I don't think Carolina gets anywhere with Bryce Young. He's already hurt, hurt an ankle. And Arizona is obviously tanking. The one team I think that has the talent to get back from 0-2 to say 4-3, Minnesota. I think with Justin Jefferson, with Kirk Cousins, dude threw four touchdown passes, wasn't enough against Philly. Uh, I, I think Minnesota is still a team that can get back into the division race in the NFC North. So there you go. Enjoy your NFL weekend. I can't wait. Can't wait to get to games. Can't wait to get to games tomorrow. Wake up, have my coffee, take my kids to soccer. You ever taken uh, two three-year-olds to soccer? It's not enjoyable. It's not great. Not a lot of fun. But you do it. But we, we do it, right? Um, have you ever given a retirement gift to someone 
Kira, you ever given a retirement gift to anybody? Like, mm, not a retirement gift. Okay. All I've right. given gifts before, though. So Miguel Cabrera, one of the great baseball players in the history of baseball, maybe the best of this generation. Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera in that same conversation, right? Both going to the Hall of Fame. He's got 12 All-Stars, two-time MVP, won a triple crown, 3,000 hits. I think he's got 500 home runs. Can you check on that for me and see if Miggy's got 500? He's doing the, uh, the, the retirement tour where he goes to every stop and they do a photo op and every city gives him a gift as a way to say, thanks for being a great baseball player and oftentimes beating the snot out of my team, all right? Like in Cleveland, they gave him a custom guitar. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's right there, right? That's a cool gift. So Miguel Cabrera goes to Oakland, the cheapest organization in sports, and an organization that's about to lose their team, and they're on their way to Vegas. We all know that. Nothing official, but it's happening. And the Oakland A's gave him a bottle of wine. Right! I mean, hey, you know what? It's Oakland, Northern California. The vineyards are right there. I love wine country. Love it. They gave him a bottle of wine. Value of that bottle of wine? $90. <laughs> it was a Cabernet Sauvignon from Camus Vineyards. It's $90 if you want to buy. If you want to buy a bottle of it right now, 90 bucks for that bottle of wine. For Miguel Cabrera. One of the great players in history. You gave him a bottle of wine. Like... If, our, what, if we had a salesperson here that retired, give him a bottle of wine. Congr- you know what I mean? That's fine. You're an organization worth millions and millions of dollars. You gave him a $90 bottle of wine that I guarantee you was in a gift bag at some point when Billy Bean or one of these guys who runs the A's went to some charity event. That's what that was. And then here's the real kick in the pants, all right? You gave a bottle of wine to Miguel Cabrera who has spent multiple months in an outpatient treatment program to focus on getting sober. It happened back in 2010. Then he had legal issues in 2011. He was there originally for some drinking issues in 2009. There's a very famous video of him sitting on the side of the road with a bottle of booze next to him when he got pulled over. When the Tigers won the division in 2012, they did a celebration with non-alcoholic champagne in the locker room. And the Oakland A's gave that guy, the guy who's been an outpatient and had legal issues with drinking, they gave him a bottle of wine. (laughs) A $90 bottle of wine. Like, if they would have given him a $500 bottle of wine, all right, it's still not cool for a former alcoholic or for for an alcoholic, you're never a former. (sighs) (laughs) But the bottle was autographed by the team. I'm not sure. Can you check the, uh, the 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 A's record real quick? Do you see if you can pull up the go to the Oakland A's site, see what their record is? Because I'm not sure that if the Oakland A's signing a bottle of wine up the value or decrease the value. Because I don't think they're very good. I haven't paid a lot of attention to Oakland A's baseball lately, but I can't imagine that's going to really oh triple the value of a bottle of wine. Well, the first thing that came up was an article on the Oakland A's site that says it's peaks and valleys. It's a lot of valleys. So uh, a lot of valleys what do when we it want? comes team stats. Let's I, go to team. I stats. just want their record. I just want to know what the Oakland A's record is. Uh, it's not probably not good. No, it's definitely not. Here, I'll pull it up on my phone. All right. 
I I have the A's app. No, I don't have the A's app. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would never. Uh, the A's are 46 and 107. And they don't worry, though. Those guys all signed the bottle of wine for the alcoholic that you gave as a gift. Wicket, you'll be happy to know that they are ranked number 30 of 30 teams. They are the worst team in baseball. All the guys on that roster. And we're not talking about like those great A's teams of old. Dennis Eckersley's not signing that. McGuire, Canseco, they're not signing that. I couldn't name one A. I could not name one Oakland Athletic. Not one. And I do a sports talk radio show. <laughs> I don't have time. Am I done? Am I out? Oh. A man was charged after he allegedly jumped a fence while under the influence of multiple drugs and alcohol and fell into a pit at the new Bills Stadium on Sunday. This was last week. I can't confirm if this was my neighbor, John, who's a Buffalo Bills fan. He jumped a 10-foot-tall fence, fell into a pit. Turns out the 29-year-old man was on alcohol, LSD, cocaine, and marijuana. That's how you party in Buffalo. Bills Mafia really stepping it up this year. Not just tables. My thanks to Andy Hall for joining me. If you miss anything, please podcast it. ESPNDesMoines.com. Cubs baseball coming up next. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.